and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, we're going to take a look at the successful program that is known as the Oklahoma Sooner softball team. And could there be something just a little bit more that has helped them achieve their recent three-peat? Also coming up later in the show, we're going to take a look at, well, I guess there's two ways to look at it. One, the more exciting states to live in and possibly the most boring states to live in. But I'll let you make the call. Three-peats. How difficult, how common are three-peats in college sports? Well, when you take a look at the history of college sports and you consider all sports, all teams, in all divisions, it's not too common. I think the most successful School would have to be the UConn women's basketball team. They did a four-peat from 2013 to 2016, then another three-peat from 2004 to 2007. Obviously, you think about you know, UCLA. Back in the day, the men's basketball program went, what, seven in a row? And then something like 10 out of 11 years. But that was kind of way back in the day. We're talking more recent times. The North Dakota State football team, they had a five-peat from 2011 to 2015, and then they went three in a row, 2017 to 2019. So they had eight and nine years, and that's uh, what used to be Division I AA. Now it's whatever it is, the football subdivision, bowl games or whatever. And then some other sports. So those are the two kind of, I guess you could say, major sports in college that went uh, three in a row or more in recent times. Some others, Penn State women's volleyball from 2007 to 2010, they had a four-peat. USC men's water polo had a six-peat, six in a row, from 2008 to 2013. Stanford men's gymnastics, 2019 to present. So you can see that there are a few teams that have won a few in a row. But considering all sports... In all teams and all divisions, three-peating is a rare feat. Again, it happens, but it's a rare feat. Obviously, a lot of repeats. You think about uh, University of Florida with Tim Tebow winning back-to-back national championships, obviously. Um, I think they did it in basketball, too, didn't they? Went back-to-back one time. And then, of course, at the pro level, you have the Chicago Bulls with two three-peats. So, again, we're talking college level, okay? You've got some tennis in here. You've got some soccer, some women's lacrosse, uh, women's hockey, men's gymnastics. Oklahoma men's gymnastics just went from 2015 to 2018 with a four-peat. So, Oklahoma, I guess, kind of familiar with success levels as three-peating. But let's take a look at this year. So the Oklahoma softball program just won the national championship for their third in a row. How exciting for them. But their season was a lot more successful than what you might imagine. So think about this. They went 61-1 and at the Division I level, playing in the Big 12 for now, but moving to the SEC soon. Their only loss was to Baylor on the road, 
in a 4-3 to loss, and it occurred on Sunday, February 19th. So that's kind of early in the season. And they went 61-1. and Now, at the post-game conference, you know, after you win the championship, ESPN wants to talk to you, and they're going to ask you all kinds of questions. Now, here's the, the point of the conversation that I want to get to. So oftentimes in sports in general, people will thank God for their success. And so that's always led to the question, where does religion, where does God fit into sports and does he care? Well, he may or may not care. I'll let you decide that. But my question is this, does somebody's faith, does that contribute to success? Now, obviously, it's not the root cause of success, although if you're religious, you might believe that God has a plan for everybody and already knows what that plan is going to be. But not every single professing Christian wins everything all the time. So we know that faith alone, in this particular instance, when it comes to sports and winning championships, isn't going to be the root cause of your success. However, can it be the root cause of your identity and who you are and what you're about more so than the sport. And if you are successful, will you be able to use that platform that the championship level gives you compared to maybe something else? So again, championship level, ESPN, Oklahoma Sooners win the championship for their third in a row. And here's Grace Lyons, followed by Jada Coleman. And they're simply asked about joy in winning the national championship. So the obligatory, how do you feel after winning the national championship? Are you happy? Are you joyful? What's your experience for winning the national championship? Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. Um, I think Coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, motivated, uh, just in a good mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, I would, that's really the only, the only answer to that because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. 1,000%. Agree with Grace Lyons. Um, I went through that my freshman year. I I was so happy to win the college. I've talked about this before, but I was just so happy that we won the College World Series, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't have, I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I didn't feel filled, and I had to find Christ in that. And I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we're not afraid to lose because if it's not the end of the world if we do lose. Yes, obviously we've worked our butts off to be here and we want to win, but it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. So there you have it. ESPN press conference after winning your third straight national champion. And Grace Lyon talks about happiness is found in circumstances. So, of course, winning the national championship, you're going to be happy. And then Jada Coleman responds with, but then what happens after that? They've won the championship before. I don't know what to do. It's the next day. What do I do? It's over. 
Where's your identity? And now they talked about, you know, the success versus failure. Well, this year, obviously, they had only one setback if you talk about wins and losses, and that was the Baylor, 61 wins. So, yeah, there would be a lot of happiness because of those circumstances, not a lot of defeat that they faced this year. But, again, their identity was not in their circumstances and winning. Their identity was in Christ, joy in the Lord, win or lose. And so, again, you've got these players at the collegiate level talking about their faith. And so it makes you wonder, I pose the question again, could it be possible that their faith contributed to their success and the national championship? Could could God have favored them knowing that they were going to be given a platform and then they use that platform to give not only thanks to God, but to share their testimony? to share what Christ means to them, what God means to them, what the game of sport, in this case softball, what that means to them. And I find it interesting because, again, you do get a lot of players out there and a lot of people that will thank God for winning. I mean, Tim Tebow did the Tebowing, right? He'd take a knee, and that became a, a trend, I guess, for a while. And that's nothing wrong with that. And Tim Tebow, we'll talk about him coming up in a little bit, but, yeah, He's had a platform to share his faith. Kurt Warner, another player that has had a platform to share his faith. And you think about all these different players. But here at the collegiate level, you've got these athletes. And then it makes it sound like when they're talking that this might be a program thing, starting with their head coach. So here's another one, Alyssa Brito. She was the third member of the softball program that was up there at the press conference. And they were asking questions again. So we just heard from Grace Lyons and Jada Coleman. And so the same question was posed to Alyssa Brito. And this is what she had to say. Um, I think a huge thing that we've really just latched onto is eyes up. And you guys see us doing this and pointing up, but we're really like fixing our eyes on Christ. And that's something where, like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and, and our love for each other and our love for the game because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And, I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for, and that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I think that brings so much freedom. And I'm sure everyone's story is similar, but we all have those great testimonies that have really like shown how awesome it is to play for something bigger. Um, And I think that's just what brings me so much joy. And no matter the outcome, whether we get a trophy in the end or not, we're, this isn't our home, and I think that's what's amazing about it is we have so much more. We have an eternity of joy with our Father, and I'm so excited about that. And, yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home, and um, no matter what, my sisters in Christ will be there with me in the end um, when we're with our, our King. So. so, again, living in the moment, but then also living for the future. They have eyes beyond this world, eyes into eternity. 
Now, you could be like Arnold Schwarzenegger and think that heaven is a fallacy. And if you talk about heaven, you're a liar, which he recently came out and said. Arnold Schwarzenegger, a man who's had a tremendous amount of success and apparently doesn't have any faith or at least no faith compared to these gals. Maybe his belief is something different. But when you talk to him, when he came out with that Danny DeVito interview, it pretty much sounded like you just basically die and that's it. There's no afterlife. That's what I got from that. But here you've got these three ladies talking about living in the moment, working their butt offs, doing what they're supposed to do to win, using their God-given talent to the best of their ability and putting in the work like we talk about on the show all the time, success, right? We talk about what does it mean to be successful? What does it take? Overcoming obstacles and hurdles and things like that. So they're doing the work. But again, I ask the question, could it be possible that their faith added to their success, God rewarding them because of their faith, then knowing that the platform they would be given, such as ESPN in a post-game conference, after pulling off a rare feat, winning three in a row, I think UCLA softball has done it, possibly Arizona softball a number of years ago when softball was pretty much uh, just dominated by the West Coast. But again, given this platform after this rare feat in the grand scheme of things, and instead of talking about I, 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 like much of the world does, the lust of self, they're eyes up, eyes to heaven. They find fulfillment beyond just that game. They find fulfillment beyond the outcome. How many of you have been successful in something, and then you're like, whoa, that's it? I mean, that's all there is to it. I made it to the top, and there's there's nothing else. Is this it, really? But then how many of you have found value and worth in something, and it had nothing to do with success? Maybe you weren't even successful. Maybe your team lost. But yet you're out there having a good time because you know you put your effort, your 100% out there on the field or in whatever you did. You came up short, but the friends you met, the memories you made, those type of things meant more. The example that you set. And so again, you have three players, Grace Lyons, Jada Coleman, Alyssa Brito, members of the Oklahoma Sooners softball program that just won their third national championship going 61 and 1 and again we haven't even talked about going 61 and 1 that's unheard of best record all time and that makes you wonder again if you talk about fulfillment and the outcome could you not get a little obsessed about that one loss i mean think about it. you could have been perfect unblemished but baylor coincidentally a baptist school beats you on a sunday no doubt ooh is there something in there But again, the feat that they accomplished and what they did this year is remarkable. It's probably never, although you never want to say never in sports, but it's probably never going to be repeated. I mean, 61 and 1, and then win your third straight championship to boot, and then all the other success that came with it, and all the talented players. And then it sounded like, as they were talking about it, it sounded like it was a team thing. Those three might have been talking, but it sounded like it might have been a team concept. So then think about this. So now teammates, teamwork, getting along with each other, resolving issues that might come up. 
throughout the season, throughout the year, throughout the years together. And so I asked the question again, could it be possible that their faith contributed God rewarding them and granting them success for their faithfulness because he knew that they would use that platform given to them to basically praise his name. Is that something that we could take and learn a lesson from? I think it's something to think about. I mentioned Tim Tebow earlier, a Christian. He was outspoken, talked about Tebowing after a touchdown. Two-time national champion football player at the University of Florida, Heisman Trophy winner, first-round draft pick in the NFL, very successful. His uh, NFL experience, probably not so much. What, I think maybe he led the Broncos to the playoffs for one game. That was about it. So his success in college didn't really correlate to the NFL. Might be depressing for some people. Might leave them wondering why. Some athletes that don't make it, you could read the stories, they might spiral downward into all kinds of trouble. Even successful ones spiral downward into all kinds of trouble. But Tim Tebow, he's gone on to do other things outside of the world of sports. Still involved, played some baseball, got to the minor leagues, not quite the majors. But his identity was not in being an athlete. His identity has always been in Christ as he talks about it. But again, given that platform, whether it be at the collegiate level or whether in this case, I believe this comment comes from a time, a press conference was when he was with the uh, New York Jets. And again, this is what he had to say about his faith and that kind of evolution of Tebowing. Well, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm someone that's very outspoken about my faith and, you know, I've never been ashamed of it and I always, um, anytime I get the opportunity, I always um, thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because that is the most important thing to me. Um, but I don't think all the attention is just because of my faith. I think um, sometimes it adds a little bit to it. I'm pretty sure I'm not the first athlete that has gotten on a knee and prayed, um, but somehow it's known as T-bowing and I'm not sure why. Um, and, you know, I think it's just, um, I don't know, probably had to do a little bit with the hype. But, you know, I think it's, it's not all a bad thing. If people are still somehow talking about prayer or talking about my faith, then I think that's pretty cool. Utilizing the platform, platform given him to promote his faith. Not preaching and demanding that you believe what he believes. Do you hear any of that so far? In the four people that we've heard discussing their faith, has any one of them come out and said, you must believe or else? Or else you're, and then label them with some sort of phobia? No. They're just sharing their faith, what their belief is. And then he mentions, yeah, if T-Boeing gets people to talk about prayer, but it's not about him. It's not about I. It's always turning the focus away from him. All these Athletes so far turning their focus away from themselves. And like I think it was um, Alyssa Brito, eyes up, looking towards the heavens, looking toward God, where they find their identity, where they find their joy versus things here on earth. Mentioned Kurt Warner, right? Kurt Warner, if you don't know his story, you should look it up. 
He played in the Arena Football League, actually worked at Hy-V for a while, then made it to the Arena Football League, then to the NFL, was a Super Bowl champion. I think he made the Super Bowl three times, twice with the Rams and once with the Cardinals. A two-time NFL MVP, so he goes from being undrafted playing in the Arena Football League to basically an NFL Hall of Famer. And I believe he's the only player to be in both the Arena Football League and the NFL Hall of Fame, the Arena, the Arena Football League Hall of Fame and the NFL Hall of Fame. And again, here's somebody that's been outspoken about his faith. And after winning the uh, NFC Championship with the Cardinals, going back to the Super Bowl to play the Pittsburgh Steelers, this is what he had to say. Kurt Warner! Well... You're not going to like this, but you're the third oldest quarterback to ever play in the Super Bowl. How does that make you feel? You know, I just, you know, everybody's going to be tired of hearing this, but I never get tired of saying it. There's one reason that I'm standing up on this stage today. That's because of my Lord up above. I got to say thanks to Jesus. You knew I was going to do it, but I got to do it. And secondly, I just say thanks to all of you guys. When nobody else believed in us, when nobody else believed in me, you guys did. And we're going to the Super Bowl! Again, another Christian athlete professing his faith on a platform, national television, NFL. You're going to the Super Bowl. He's not talking about going to Disneyland. He's talking about giving thanks to Jesus. So again, I pose the question, is it possible that these athletes have been given success because of their faith? Or in part, because God is favoring them, giving them these rewards for being faithful, which then allows them to have a platform in which they use that platform to then share their faith. And again, not in a, you need to believe or else, you need to be like me or else, just in sharing their faith, sharing what they believe and how it makes them feel. And again, they're not always winning championships. Look at Kurt Warner. He lost twice in the Super Bowl. But again, he's an NFL Hall of Famer. He went from high V to the Hall of Fame. Take a look at Tim Tebow, two-time national champion. Some would call him an NFL, uh, his success in the NFL, not a successful one, not a successful journey. But he was able to play in the NFL, get that taste. And then he's been able to do other things. What about more recently, Clayton Kershaw, the Dodgers? Wow, there's a story for you. So Clayton Kershaw has been an outspoken Christian. He's had a lot of success, World Series champion, nine-time All-Star, three-time Cy Young Award winner. Threw a no-hitter June 18, 2014. I just happened to be at that game. I think it was the shortstop, Jose Offerman, that committed an error, keeping him from a perfect game. And then what about more recently? You've got the Dodgers and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, that LGBT group that they recognized recently, put Clayton Kershaw in a bind. What's he supposed to do about that? Is he supposed to speak up against it? Or is he supposed to stay quiet? Either way, he's going to lose. He's going to be criticized no matter what he does. Because if he speaks out, he's anti-gay, a bigot, a homophobe, transphobic. And if he doesn't, 
then he's a sellout to his faith. So the Dodgers not even taking into consideration the fact that, A, the Catholic Archdiocese was against them promoting the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and then they put in their star player in a bind. And then I think what happened to kind of appease everybody, I think the Dodgers came out with Christian Faith Day that Clinton Kershaw was going to be a part of. In fact, the Dodgers used to have those. They did away with them, at least at the L.A. Dodger level. I think the Oklahoma City Dodgers, which is their AAA club, I think they still had Faith and Family Night or Faith and Family Day. But the, the pro club... And so what are you supposed to do? And then what are the Dodgers doing? Alienating an entire faith, the Catholic faith, the archdiocese coming out. And you can look up these sisters of indulgence or perpetual indulgence and look at them. But they were deemed anti-Catholic, mockery of the Christian faith, mockery with their nun outfits and stuff. And so you look at it and what happened? Okay, let's set the table real quick. Kurt Warner, Tim Tebow, Grace Lyons, Jada Coleman, Alyssa Brito sharing their faith on a national platform after having success. Now, obviously it was an hour before the game, but nobody was there. In fact, there were a lot of people outside the stadium praying. They called it prayer time, not a protest. Praying these sisters of perpetual indulgence or whatever they are. And you're starting to see this pushback now against this ideology Remember, I think it was in 2022, five Tampa Bay Ray pitchers did not want to participate in Pride Night. And all they simply said was, "It's we don't believe this because of our faith. We don't hate anybody. We don't want to exclude anybody, but we're not going to participate and wear Pride patches or Pride uniforms for Pride Night. And they were called homophobic, transphobic, all the phobics. Then you have the Chicago Blackhawks now pushing back a little bit. Florida Panthers, the Stahl brothers, declined to participate. And so you're starting to see people push back on this ideology. And again, the ideology isn't because they hate trans people or they hate LGBT people. It's their faith. And they're like, I'm not going to participate in something I don't believe in. I'm not going to promote something that I don't believe in. And yet they're called names, transphobic, homophobic, bigot, and then all the other stuff. But did you hear anybody of the former athletes that we just talked about say, hey, if you don't accept my Christian faith, then you're a phobic of some sort? No, they're just sharing their faith, having the success. And so again, I ask the question, could it be possible that the faith of these athletes contributed to their success, God allowing them to have success, giving them a national platform, knowing that they would use that platform to share their faith and to share their experience and to share the fact that there's lessons to be learned whether you believe or not in what they believe in. Think about this. Happiness. Happiness is from circumstances. We can all agree on that, but our circumstances change. What if we have negative circumstances and now we're sad? Father's Day recently took place celebrating dads. A lot of people I noticed were celebrating dads in heaven or dads that had passed on. Maybe Father's Day not as happy because dad's not here anymore. 
or there's other tragedies that might have taken place in your life. And so circumstances change. But what's going to keep you having joy in life? What's going to keep you from from being eternally depressed? I mean, think about that. We look at the circumstances of the world today and our society today. Those circumstances could keep us in a continual state of depression. There's not a whole lot of good going on out there. The news is terrible. Politics is horrible. The world is in all kinds of disarray. There's no truth. Ideology is being pushed on people to the point now we're starting to see a little bit of pushback. But it is so divisive. How are we to find joy in this world? And we've talked about some of these ideas recently, experiencing joy. Well, for these ladies, joy is found in the Lord. What about peace? Can we have peace in this world? Looks like the world politically is becoming less and less peaceful. Our country is more divisive, becoming less and less peaceful. What about patience? What about gentleness? Just being gentle one to another. Do you even know what gentleness means? Do you know anybody that models gentleness? What about just goodness? Can you answer what is goodness? Can you define goodness? Have you seen it? Have you witnessed it? Have you experienced it? And what about self-control? What is self-control? A lot of people lack self-control in this day and age, don't they? How do we find this? Can we find joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, self-control from the circumstances in the world today? Or do we need something outside of that to intervene? And could that something be what these ladies and these other athletes like Tim Tebow, Kurt Warner, Clayton Kershaw talk about and experience? You know, Tim Tebow has gone on to do other things. One thing, for example, is Night to Shine. It's a prom for people with special needs, and it's spreading across the country. Different uh, entities can sign up in conjunction with the Tim Tebow Foundation and put on these nights. And it's a prom designed specifically for special needs. What about Clayton Kershaw? He's got Kershaw's Challenge, helping low-income people of L.A., Dallas, Zambia, and the Dominican Republic. So they're out there doing things. And yes, I know, other people are out there doing things too. Kurt Warner, First Things First Foundation. But all of these, regardless of what they're doing, they're having a uh, positive influence on society and people around the world. That's it. A positive influence on society and the people around the world, and the only hate they get, it's because of their faith. That's it. I mean, the headline was for ESPN was something like shocking post-game interview with Oklahoma Sooners after winning the championship when asked, about their championship run. Why is that shocking? Just some ladies sharing their faith. You might also call it their philosophy, philosophy on life. What if we replaced faith with philosophy? What if their philosophy on life and their philosophy approach to the game had some divine aspects to it? I believe my philosophy is God helps us win. 
My philosophy is I believe that no matter the outcome, my joy is in the Lord. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I'm looking toward the future. Can you replace faith with philosophy? Does it, get, does it change anything for you? Well, because the word faith equals religion, and therefore you turn your back on it. There was a, a Supreme Court ruling recently. This has been an ongoing story that I've kind of followed. Not going to get too much into it, but there was a football coach in the state of Washington that was praying on the football field, and the school fired him. Apparently they hired him in 2008, and he had been praying. I think it might be after games, or at least the after game prayer on the field is what got the attention of the higher-ups. And as he was doing this, the prayer began to grow and grow with players and other people joining them. So by 2015, seven years after the fact, as players began joining him on the field, and while crowd, the crowd was still in the stands, he would do this prayer, he got fired. The school district said it never restricted him from offering silent prayers or private prayers, offered him an alternative place to pray off the football field after games, but the coach refused and ultimately was fired. So why would a school be offended by somebody praying? I mean, the Dodgers just did Sisters of Indulgence, Perpetual Indulgence. We have Pride Month that goes on for a whole 30 days in the month of June. So promoting all this, what's wrong with prayer? What's so offensive about having prayer and other people joining in? Why are you so offended by it? Is it affecting you? Couldn't you just walk away and ignore it? Could prayer and the coach's prayer be helpful to the school, to the football program, keeping players safe? We don't know what he was praying But if what we just read and talked about and the comments that we heard from these players over here from Oklahoma, Tim Tebow, Clayton Kershaw, Kurt Warner, could it even happen at a lower level, a non-national level? And what's the response? The response is fire the guy that is praying. He ultimately won on a 6-3 to Supreme Court ruling, and CNN labels it conservative liberal ideological lines. So apparently six conservatives and three liberals were divided. So does that tell me, according to CNN, that liberals are against prayer? Are liberals against religion? Are liberals against Christianity? One could take that from the headline. And so he was uh, apparently, well, he won, not really sure what his outcome was. Don't think he wants to go back to that school, but time will tell. What about recently in Pride Month, the White House? They push aside the American flag for the Pride flag. They have topless transgendered activists running around without their tops on, which ironically then the press secretary comes on and says, wait, that has never happened before, obviously. Because the cavalier nature of the current administration regarding these things allowed it to. It's kind of sad that that was a response, thinking that it was a positive response. Oh, it's never happened before, but it happened on your watch. Because what are you pushing? You denounced it. Just like the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, apparently they were honored about an hour before the game to a near-empty stadium is the headlines. 
And here you have trans activists that have now been banned from the White House because they ran around topless, the people's house. And why is it that people are into calling you names? So if you don't believe in something, if I don't believe what you believe, or if I don't want to be forced to believe and accept certain things, I'm transphobic, homophobic, white supremacist, Nazi, you name it. I've been labeled it. Why? Any of these people, are they saying that if you don't believe what they believe, then you're phobic of some sort, faith-phobic, Christian-phobic, belief-phobic? No. They're just sharing their faith. And by doing so and living the life that they are living, they're experiencing joy from the Lord. They're experiencing peace that passes all understanding. They're experiencing gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, which becomes the fruit of the Spirit, if you know what I'm talking about. And so you got these people that then, if you don't agree with them, you call them names, right? Remember Hillary Clinton called the uh, Trump fans or Trump supporters deplorables? And then you've had other people calling people names. What about Garth Brooks? Apparently, he's opening up a, a bar in uh, Nashville. And he is going to sell Bud Light. Bud Light is still down. I think the last couple surveys or whatever they do to measure beer sales over the last year or so, I think it's down 25% in valuation. Not just the amount that's sold, but like money, dollar amount, the valuation is down like almost 25%. That's a lot. Target, same way, tanking, right? Because they're trying to force an ideology. And that's the thing right there. It's a force. You have to believe us or else. We're going to force this on you. But yet the Christian faith of these athletes has never been forced upon you. Tim Tebow says, well, it's maybe part of the hype that Tebowing came about because it took an E prayer of thankfulness. And if people want to talk about it because of that, that's a probably a good thing. But no one's saying you need to pray. You need to get down on your knees. You need to believe what we believe. No one is preaching that. But yet when you go to the flip side, you get a lot of people preaching that you need to do something or else we're going to call you names. And so, Garth Brooks, yes, we're going to serve every brand of beer. We just are. It's not our decision to make. Our thing is this. If you are, I guess if you're let into his house, his uh, bar, I guess, his house is his bar, then you should love one another. If you're an a-hole, there are plenty other places on Lower Broadway to go. Now he's getting beat up in the press by his fans, people tossing his CDs away, not going to shows anymore. Why do you call them a-holes, dude? I mean, do you really have to, you just killed yourself. Nobody likes you anymore. We've talked about his story going to Nashville on this podcast before. It's quite inspiring how he got there. A little bit of luck, a lot of hard work, but now he's calling everybody a-holes. And there are plenty. I just got back from Nashville not too long ago. There are some pretty cool places. Tequila, uh, the Tequila Cowboy, nondescript little place below Jason Aldean's. Uh, I think it's Luke Combs, Dirks Bentley. You have Hard Rock Cafe, Margaritaville, although a little dated. But you got a lot of honky tonks, as they call them. Alan Jackson's. Dude, Alan, you just spruce up your joints a bit. Expected more. Come on, man. It's got a Bourbon Street feel, not a Broadway Street feel, so maybe you should uh, 
you know, get an interior decorator in there and spruce it up a bit. But again, why are you calling people's names? Oh, and here's the thing I was talking about with Bud Light. Uh, sales were down like 25% from a year ago, according, according to Nielsen IQ data that Bump Wilson or Bump Williams Consulting provides. And so sales down 25%, which also then lowers the valuation of the company. It's all into finance. But it's like, what are you doing? You know, Mark Cuban said going woke is good for business. I don't see how, but lights down 25%. Target is taking a beating. A lot of people now going to boycott and not go to Ellen, uh, go to uh, Garth Brooks's place. In fact, there was a rumor. It was so good. The story was written so well, but it was deemed to be a rumor and false that Garth Brooks was having to uh, shut his doors because some contractors and some key financial uh, providers to him, backers, were pulling out because of what he said. Now, it turned, to be, turned out to be false, not a true story, but it was written so well that it started to spread on social media until it started to get pushed back on by other people. But again, yeah, there's some truth to that, isn't there? But it makes you wonder. If these athletes have this faith and they believe it and they live it and they follow it, and it's genuine, and they're not forcing it on anybody. God's given them a tremendous amount of talent. They work their butts off, like they said. They put in the time, probably in the weight room, on the practice field, in the cages, all that stuff. But if there's so many other talented teams out there, I think Florida State, was the team that they played in the championship series. Second best team maybe in the country, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, UCLA was very good until they got upset in their region by, I think it was, what, Liberty and Grand Canyon University. Talk about upset of all upsets on your home field in the regional. And they, I think, had three losses this year. UCLA had three losses going into their final game against Utah. In the Pac-12, they lost, and then they lost their first two playoff games and got bounced. So I think they ended up with six losses, something like that. But they only had three losses. I think they were like 54-3, and UCLA. Ended up 54-6. and So there's another team that had a great season, but you don't hear about them because they got bounced in the first round of the playoffs in the, in the regionals. They didn't even win a game. In fact, they ended the season losing three straight. So here, Oklahoma does the flip. They lose one game, win 61 third straight national championship. So could it be possible that the faith of these players was rewarded with a championship, another championship, knowing then that the platform that they were going to be given would be used to glorify God? And are the lessons in there that we could learn, like circumstances brings happiness, but joy in the Lord will give you that joyfulness that you need to get through life. And what are we doing to try to experience and share love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control? And could those attributes only come 
when God is in our life? Or can we spread them without? Something to consider. Now, WalletHub came out with the rankings of the most fun states, 1 through 50. I'll tell you right off the bat, I don't even need to look, Mississippi, the most boring state. I can, I can just nail that. Been there, nothing to do there. Went there for a baseball tournament, well, not a tournament, but a three-game series between Vanderbilt and Old Miss. Vanderbilt won the national championship in 2019 for college baseball, and then Old Miss won it last year, 2022. So powerhouse teams over the last couple of years, okay? And so I was there for baseball. But outside of that, there was nothing to do. So I know that's 50th. But again, let's look at some, uh, some criteria. So it was divided into two groups, nightlife and then entertainment and recreation. Obviously, for entertainment and recreation, weather, restaurants, amusement parks, golf courses, movie theaters. Does anybody go to the theaters anymore? I can't remember the last time I went to the theaters. It's probably been four or five years. Arcades, fitness centers, skiing, beach quality, national parks, and state fairs. Okay. Now, I can tell you off the bat, if you're including beach, golf courses, and skiing, it's got to be California's number one because California's the only state where you can surf in the morning and ski, snow ski, in the afternoon slash evening. And maybe play a round of golf in the afternoon. You can do all three within a day, realistically. And, of course, the fitness centers, they're everywhere. And then nightlife was the price of booze, because apparently that matters, cost of movies, options for your nightlife, access to bars, time of last call, casinos, and performing arts. So according to nightlife, Vegas has got to be there, right, Nevada? Well, so if you take a look at all the metrics and you throw them in the blender and turn it on, overall including entertainment, recreation, and nightlife. California is number one, Florida number two, Nevada number three. Makes perfect sense. New York comes in fourth, but Illinois is fifth. I'm surprised by Illinois because I have no idea what is fun in Illinois outside of Chicago. And apparently, if you listen to the news, Chicago, you're risking death by going there. But I digress. Now, when it comes to this entertainment and recreation Obviously, California is number one. Florida is number two. And, of course, it's the weather, the outdoor life, the golf courses, the restaurants. I mean, I've been to both Florida and California. The beaches in California, I think, are better because you got actually got waves. Not too many waves in the Atlantic nor the Gulf. In fact, when I went to Fort Myers one year for baseball, I was in the Gulf of Mexico. I think it was like Thursday. Then I drove over to see my aunt and uncle on the Atlantic coast on Friday, dipped into the Atlantic, and then flew out Saturday back to LAX. And, of course, if you know where LAX is, beach is right there. Jumped into the Pacific just to say that in three days I went to all three bodies of water. Impressed? Yeah, me neither. But anyways, so, of course, if you have the beaches, you're going to have the high rankings. Overall... New York came in fourth, right, ahead of Nevada. But for entertainment and recreation, New York is third, and Nevada is fourth, followed by Texas. Now, I've been to Amarillo, Texas, and it was not by morning. That's the only part of Texas I've been through is the upper panhandle. So I'm not sure what uh, entertainment and recreation they got going on. I hear what uh, South Padre Island might be nice, maybe down near Galveston. Have you been down to the beaches on the Gulf there? Imagine it's kind of the same 
on the Gulf Coast of Florida, but maybe there's something fun and exciting there. Um, I don't know. Do they have golf courses there? Do people play golf in Texas? But so overall, California, Florida, Nevada, New York, Illinois, top five. In entertainment and recreation, you've got California, Florida, New York, Nevada, and then Texas replaces Illinois. Now for nightlife, yes, you've named it. Of course, the nightlife. Enter the night was a slogan at one point for Las Vegas. Nevada, casinos all over the place. All the nightlife you need. It encompasses all the criteria. Booze. There is no last call. And some places you can get it pretty cheap. Casinos. Performances. Cirque du Soleil. Carrot Top. Thunder Down Under. You name it. You can find whatever you want. Blue Man Group. Whatever artist is having a residency. Illinois is second when it comes to nightlife behind Nevada. I don't know why. Is it Chicago? Is Chicago? Is there nightlife in Illinois? Outside of Chicago, is there anything in Illinois? You know, California has L.A. and San Francisco, although I think San Francisco is now a cesspool with everybody leaving. I think Walgreens left. I think Nordstrom is leaving. I think there's a couple big hotels that just up and handed in the keys and said we're out. Um. New York isn't even on here. So you've got nightlife, Nevada, Illinois, Wisconsin. What nightlife is there in Wisconsin? Cow tipping? California comes in fourth, and then Minnesota. So it's fascinating how three of the five are the cold weather states with snow roughly four to six months out of the year. Maybe that's what drives people indoors. And maybe there's a bunch of drinkers, and maybe booze is cheap. And there are some, uh, I think, some Indian-style casinos in some of these states, too. So maybe that drives up the metric. But again, if I'm looking for nightlife, obviously Las Vegas, or I guess Reno, but Las Vegas and Nevada. Not really sure where I'm going in Illinois. Wisconsin would have to be Milwaukee, but, I mean, come on. There's many more places than Milwaukee. L.A. and California, maybe even San Diego, the Gaslight District. And again, what, Mall of America? Is Mall of America including in indoor activity? So there, if you're looking for a fun place to go, according to wallethub.com, overall, if you want both entertainment, recreation, and nightlife, you're going to hit Cali, Florida, Nevada, New York, and Illinois. And of course, Cali, Florida, and Nevada have the good weather. If you're looking for just entertainment only, maybe some daytime stuff, you don't want the nightlife, California, Florida, New York, Nevada, Texas, and again, warm weather states. And then if you're looking for the nightlife and you want to party, Las Vegas is your destination, Illinois, Wisconsin, California, probably LA, maybe San Diego. I don't think you want to go to San Francisco. And then Minnesota, which I guess would be Minneapolis. I don't know. Maybe you want to ride the Snoopy ride. At Mall of America, I'm not sure. But there's your top five. And it kind of reminds me, um, you've got, you know, in Nashville, which I think can be fun, but I think you're going to run out of fun outside of that downtown area. I mean, it's everything's country there. Country Music Hall of Fame, Grand Ole Opry, Opryland, Dolly Parton Land, everything is there. But you've got all those honky-tonks, as they call them, the bars, which is really cool. If you just want to go grab a drink and just listen to music and just have a chill night, those are some fun places. 
And so you've got Broadway in Nashville. You've got Bourbon Street down in New Orleans. You've got Beale Street in Memphis, three similar. But Broadway is country. Bourbon Street used to be jazz and blues. Now it's kind of just rock and roll party. There was one country bar, at least there was, before the pandemic. And then Beale is more your blues and jazz. So it kind of depends on what you want as to where you want to go. All three are fun. And then Fremont Street in Vegas is something completely different. And then the bottom five. Mississippi is last. Knew that. West Virginia, never been. Delaware, Rhode Island, Arkansas, Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Kentucky, and Maine. So from Maine down to Mississippi, those are your final 10. So places not to be. If I'm looking for some place to go, my next trip, I would love to get to Myrtle Beach. Check that out. I hear it's a lot of fun. I think there's a 60-mile strip between Charleston, South Carolina, and Myrtle Beach that has some great beaches. Of course, Myrtle Beach is the destination for tourists, beach, stuff like that, boardwalks, food. And then if I'm going to do a baseball trip, I think I'd like to go to Detroit, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. I think if I land in Detroit, I could drive around to Cleveland and to Pittsburgh and then fly home. So that might be my next baseball trip. Where do you want to go? Where do you see yourself going? Get out there, travel, see the world, and maybe consider some of the faith-based conversation that we had earlier in the show. This is Two Steps Head Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Check out our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Click on the logo, and all of our shows pop up. The video shows, that will take you then to our Rumble site. An orange strip takes you to our audio page on SoundCloud. You can download and take them with you on the go. We're everywhere you listen to podcasts. Hey, Surrey. Hey, Google. Hey, Alexa. Play TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast, and we pop up. Or just internet search us, and we're there. We're also on YouTube. Like I said, we're not hard to find. Instagram, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. And you can email the show at twostepsaheadpodcast at gmail.com. And the two is TWO. So, again... Two Steps Ed Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.